The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. You know what? Not a lot. I'm, ha- I'm having a great day. It's super sunny outside. It's I got nice. S- it looks like it's spring. It does, and it smells like spring, and it feels like spring. Oh, do you know what that means, though? What? If it smells like spring, I'm going to start getting sick again. That, and it's going to all melt, and then it's going to all freeze again. Yes. And this city will be an ice In ruins. Spring. Yeah. Yes. But I got us some iced coffee Delicious. to really enjoy the weather. The summer day. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here. For a good one. Well, I think it's a good one. I have no idea how you feel. Yeah, I haven't really told you. Usually, there's like sometimes I'll text you if I like love it or hate it or whatever. Yeah, you're dead silent on this one. Yeah, I don't know why. Did you just not care? No, here's the thing. I didn't love it, but I. it's not... I'm in this like weird in-between place with this movie right now where it's like, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it. I had a fun time. And like it has kept me thinking about it for the past few days. But I also kind of want to watch, like, the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I am in, like, a pro-Chucky phase. But also, at the same time, I'm like, was it that great? I don't know. Well, I do think that this movie, first of all, was a cultural moment. It is yes. one of those movies that so many people... It's Child's Play, by the way. Um, so many people talk about as being one of the first things that really scared them. People s- are scared of this doll. Well, it's freaky. It is freaky. But the tone of the movies, as they go on, is not the same as Child's Play. I think it pokes a lot more fun at itself. I think it's a little bit more satirical as time goes on and a little less scary. I think the second one is quite similar. And then from there, it gets quite a bit worse. I feel like when I was younger, I saw Bride of Chucky. And I remember that one the most because Tiffany... Do you know what's funny about Bride of Chucky? Is last week, I think, you and I were watching a trailer for something and you were like, Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly is the bride of Chucky. Interesting. She has one of the most distinct voices. It's not enjoyable. (laughs) Now I'm trying to remember what movie trailer we were watching. I can't remember because she's not been in much recently. So it must have been something older. Or we must have just been talking about something. Was she in the new Chucky? We watched the trailer for that, like the TV series. Good question. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, I love this movie. I don't remember when I first saw it. I have no recollection of that, but it has been one of my comfort horror movies for a really long time. Um, I was watching a retrospective piece about it today, and they were talking about how a big part of the filmmaking was to make it look like quite soft and dreamy in parts. Mm -hmm. I can see that. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much. When you talk about watching Midsommar, like, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. People who would daily watch, like, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, something that is visually upsetting and really dark, I don't understand. Yeah. But I think the content of something can still make you feel okay if it visually is quite light. Mm -hmm. And that's this movie for me. Fair. I did notice that, like, throughout. I was like, it is very, like, almost like there's, like, a smudge over it, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, where it's this, like, glisteny type feel even though it's not it doesn't seem like cloudy right but it's just like there's this like 
ambiance with it. You feel like welcome mm-hmm. to like be in that space. Yeah, totally. In the beginning scene where he's making the breakfast, yeah. the soft lighting of everything mm-hmm. and the color palette, it is really inviting as a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I noticed like specifically with the ambiance, he's in the bathroom brushing his teeth early in the movie when he's being babysat by his mom's friend. Yeah. Um, and it like goes into the bathroom and it literally looks like that kid was smoking a pack of cigarettes (laughs) and it's just like, it's so like cloudy and I'm like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. I'm like, he went to brush his teeth and now he's a chain smoker. Yep. New single dropping on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say one of the few, and I mean few kids in horror movies that I think is adorable and also a great little actor. But also so annoying but it's i think it's because i find him annoying there was parts where i was like this child needs to like a good smack Mm -hmm. also there's a couple times where his words get caught up in like a very unnatural way and he takes like a weird pause but i feel like it adds to it but it also like it seems more realistic as a character instead of like this perfect child being like hello yes my name and this is chucky yeah i don't think i couldn't remember his name I don't think a kid being interrogated by the police is going to be, like, that well-spoken, you know? I'm not going to be good interrogated by the police. No, I've been, actually, not interrogated, but I had a a conversation with police one time when I did something wrong that I didn't know I had done wrong. And they tried to good cop, bad cop me, and I was like, you don't have to do this. I'm terrified as it is. Trust me. Amazing. I'm barely standing. Should I, we just maybe get into the synopsis? I feel like we, or do you have any horror news or anything? No, I don't. I didn't care to look this week. Well, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, we're only six days off of our last recording. So even though for you guys, it's a couple of weeks for us. We're like, been there, done that. Yeah. So a fugitive serial killer. We start our movie with him being chased by a detective through the streets of Chicago and into a toy store. After being shot by the detective, he performs a voodoo chant to transfer his soul into one of the good guy brand talking dolls. The store is struck by lightning and explodes, and the detective finds his suspect's lifeless body in the rubble next to the doll. I'm just going to say right now, I have never in my life, and particularly since we started this podcast, I have noticed I cannot say the word detective in a sentence. I'm like, detective. Like, I can't get it out. I don't think I've ever noticed it. I find it, maybe it's just in my head and I'm like overthinking it. I also have a thing where I think I can't say my own name sometimes. So I just, sometimes when I go to say my own name, I get hung up on the enunciation. Kennedy, the double N in my mind trips me up, even though it's not, I'm not pronouncing it, right? Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just. So how many movies have we talked about where there's been a detective? Apparently a lot. I mean, think about it. Like the exorcism of Emily Rose, mm-hmm. anything with some f- sort of death and criminal. Um, the exorcist. There's a few. Yeah, interesting. I've only named two, but trust but me when I say this is the third. <laughs> There's a few. So next we see widow Karen Barkley and her six year old son Andy, who desperately wants a good guy doll for his birthday, but Karen can't afford one. She later learns that a homeless man outside of her work is trying to sell one of the dolls for a low price, so she buys it and gives it to Andy. The doll refers to itself as Chucky. That night, Karen's best friend Maggie babysits. After Andy's bedtime, Maggie finds Chucky sitting in front of a television, tuned to a late-night newscast about the death of a serial killer. She is then attacked by Chucky, being hit in the head with a hammer and falling out of the window to her death. Police consider Andy a suspect, despite Karen's protests. Andy claims that Chucky killed Maggie and says that he told him that his real name was Charles Lee Ray. 
No one believes him. The next morning, Chucky orders Andy to take a train downtown where he sneaks into the home of his former accomplice and kills him by causing a gas explosion. Andy is again considered a suspect and is admitted to a psychiatric hospital after claiming Chucky is once again the culprit. Karen returns home with the doll and discovers his batteries are still in the box. Frightened, she lights her fireplace and threatens to burn Chucky, who violently comes alive and attacks her before escaping. Karen goes to the police and explains what happened, but they don't believe her. After bringing her home, Detective Norris, the detective who originally shot Charles Lee Ray, is attacked by Chucky. He shoots the doll, whose wounds bleed. Chucky escapes to his former voodoo instructor, who informs him that the longer his soul remains in the doll, the more human it will become. Chucky demands that he reverse the spell, but he refuses. He tortures him, forcing him to reveal that in order to escape the doll's body, Chucky must transfer his soul to the first human he revealed his true identity to, Andy. Chucky arrives at the psychiatric hospital where Andy is being held and kills a doctor. In the chaos, Andy escapes and flees home, but Chucky follows. As he prepares to possess him, Karen and Norris arrive. They manage to trap Chucky in the fireplace and set him on fire, appearing to kill him, but a charred Chucky escapes from the fireplace and chases Andy. After a struggle, Karen shoots him repeatedly, blowing him to pieces. Eventually, Chucky is shot through the heart, killing him and leaving the group with an unbelievable story. Why is Chucky a nimble little fuck? He really... <laughs> like, when he's, like, running around... That motherfucker can haul ass. Fast. Yeah. But this child's just like, I'm gonna go look for this doll. Yeah. Let's go roam around the streets of Chicago. There were so many questions I had. <laughs> I had so many questions about why no one just threw the doll away earlier. He seemed to be causing problems even just like on a behavioral level. So just get rid of the doll. Kids, kids. I mean, they care, but he'll care for two days and then you distract him with something else. Mm -hmm. And he'll be like, that's fine. Well, also, Kate, there was a scene at the beginning where she's talking, Karen is talking to Andy about his birthday. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, she says, how old are you? Two? Listen. And so the whole movie, I was like, how is this fucking two-year-old running around <laughs> Chicago? I'm not trying to make fun of you. But my roommate did the same thing. And I was like, yeah, it's a joke. Have you ever heard of sarcasm? I know, but it's just like in passing. I was like. He's clearly six. Well, he looks like he could be two, apparently. <laughs> he doesn't. He's walking and talking. He's in school. The whole group I watched with, we all said, why is he two? So, you know, I'm not the only. You're the only one who, I mean, got it. So you're the smart one. I just, I feel like I've had that moment with kids before, like a million times where you're like, how old are you? You're just a baby. And they're like, I'm six. You, whatever. To your own child, though. That's the difference. Well, I don't have a I child. know. <laughs> this movie, I do think there's like some really good suspense and some thriller mm -hmm. moments, but it also like teeters on that comedy side. So yes. it's, if you're wanting something that's not serious... And, like, fairly light, not really going to scare the shit out of you. Like, there are some good scares in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this is just, like, a fun movie to, like, throw on. Yeah. I, I know I've said it a million times, but it is in, like, the genre of the Gremlins Ghostbusters for me. But teetering a little bit more scary. Mm-hmm. I don't... I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I've ever seen Gremlins. So good. I've seen, I like, all the clips and all... Of the, I don't think I've seen the full movie. We have it on DVD, and it was one of the first things I watched when the pandemic hit. Because you know what the pandemic is? Gremlin. A gremlin. <laughs> one thing that, like, I kind of wish... I I love the pacing of this movie, and I like the storyline. Yeah. I think it 
the beginning is weird because the way they set it up with the serial killer, I was like, what is this movie about? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like it, even though it had the shittiest fake lightning in the world. It's so funny. It's just like, wow. It's so bad. It's so like reminiscent of like kids TV shows, yep. like lightning. Like I'm thinking like Power Rangers, identical. And that's like what it reminded me of. But it's also like, it's a movie about like children and toys it's also the exact same type of lightning that is in ghostbusters and i can't remember if it's ghostbusters one or two when sigourney weaver's character gets possessed by zool and she goes to the top of the apartment building in new york which is like the same exact sort of concept that's happening here and it gets getting the gargoyles keep being struck by lightning and it looks exactly like that i think probably all just just, shared the one same file yeah that was just like the one file they had in rotation of lightning for 80s movies and you know what it's fine it It probably took the trick it probably took them a while to get that lightning so that's also something that i love about these movies is like you can watch things that are visually so much more entertaining or appealing or realistic Mm -hmm. that are made now but when you think about the level of work that went into horror movies at this time like they were just such a labor of love Mm -hmm. and you have such a massive appreciation for how much work went into this this was a four month shoot yeah how often are shoots that long for movies now not too long no (laughs) i don't know why i said not too long long. no it was only a three month shoot four January nine, January seventh, nineteen eighty eight to March fifth, nineteen eighty eight. I had another a different source that says it was definitely four, but there was a lot, there was a lot of um, and what's a good word for it? Like, why my brain is blanking? A lot of like information coming from different places. No, sorry, oh. I was going a very different direction. There was a lot of conflict on this set. And I wonder if that gets factored into the time is just how people just erase her out a month. Yeah. They're like, we were there for maybe until March, maybe April. Couldn't tell you. Well, and I do think there was so much back and forth on certain things with the studio that maybe that they're factoring that into the the length of time for the overall project. But uh, yeah, anyway. One thing. So like I was saying, I really liked the pacing of this movie. I wish, though, that maybe they would have slowed down the Chucky reveal a little and like let it teeter of. Is it Andy or is it the doll? Right. That's one thing that I was like, I could like like seeing that. Like, it's not that I hated the way that it played out mm. now. But I was like, it would be cool to be like, well, maybe it is the child. And he is just also a menace. Right. Well, the producer, David Kirshner, was reading a book on holiday that reminded him of his childhood fear of dolls. So he went to the studio and said that he wanted to base a film off of this premise. And they handed off a spec script called Bloody Buddy by a young student writer, Don Mancini, a diehard horror movie fan. So initially, the character of Chucky was presented to be a physical manifestation of Andy's childhood anger. Like his inner anger Mm -hmm. about, I believe at the time, his mom was supposed to be a little bit more of like a harsh, a meaner character who was going through a divorce. And the doll was proposed to be a part of a line of toys that came with blood underneath its latex skin. Which is a lot. A lot. And it was supposed to encourage children to handle the dolls more gently because they could break. Right. But wanting to reinforce Andy's closeness with the new friend, he would mix a drop of his blood with the dolls. And that's what's going to be what brought the doll to life. Mm, Blood oath. Right. And the premise of the film was basically supposed to be that you didn't know if Chucky was ever alive or if it was all just a figment of Andy's imagination. And the film was supposed to border a little bit more on humor and satire, and it was supposed to bring to light through satire 
um, problematic American consumerism and advertising to young children. As time went on, they wanted to develop the character of Chucky a little bit more. And it was supposed to be very clear from the very beginning that he was his own separate entity, which obviously we know because mm-hmm. the movie starts with the, the soul yeah. of um, Charles Lee Ray. So just to that point, Charles Lee Ray was named after Charles Manson, mm-hmm. Lee Harvey Oswald, which is the JFK assassin, and James Earl Ray, which is the MLK assassin. And the story went through a couple versions. Like Charles was supposed to die via capital punishment at the very same time that the dolls were being created and there was supposed to be some transference Mm -hmm. there. Um, Or a voodoo priest performing a ritual was going to implant the soul into the doll's body. But eventually David, who's the producer, decided that the toy story element was the toy store story element was more interesting and visually appealing. Mm Mm-hmm. But the original writer didn't agree with the addition of mysticism in the story, though he eventually decided to put his faith into the filmmakers. After multiple studios expressed interest, they eventually partnered with MGM to go forward with filming. But at the time, there was a dispute with Don, the writer, and the studio, and he threatened to sue because he was like, listen, I was young and inexperienced at the time we cut this deal, and I think I'm being fucked and taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. So he was barred from entering the production. Wasn't it also with the, like, Writers Guild? Because I know that there was something um, regarding, like, the there was, like, a Writers Guild strike that happened at the same time where he also wasn't allowed on set. Or not that he wasn't, but he shouldn't have gone because right. well, there when was, you're striking or... There was conflict between almost everybody. Like, Don... The doll. Tom Holland. <laughs> Don, who's the writer. Tom Holland, the director. Which, and then pause. David, the producer. When the movie ended and it said directed by Tom Holland, I was like... Tom Holland? What? And I was like, this isn't right. But I'm pretty sure this Tom Holland also directed uh, Jaws. Oh. And a couple other things. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain. I should just fact check myself. It would have been easy to do that. Who Who is Tom Holland, the actor? Is that the one that's dating? Spider-Man. Got it. Okay, maybe he didn't actually do Jaws. But he did Psycho. I'm assuming the reboot. Oh, wait. Yeah, sorry. He directed... And wrote the sequel to Psycho in 1983. Okay. And he directed and co-wrote the Child's Play franchise. And then a couple other um, Stephen King things. Hmm. Either way. So, like, the three of them were in conflict the whole time. Eventually, um, Tom actually quit. And they had to do the rest of it without him. So, yeah, Don was barred from entering the production at all. But it they later gave him a sole story credit. So, I think things kind of... You know. Well, it's interesting you say that um, Tom quit, mm-hmm. but then did he come back, I'm assuming? No. So he still gets the director credit. Yes. Interesting. I don't know if it was necessarily during filming. I think it was post-filming during the edits. They decided okay. to cut a couple of things out, and he basically was like objecting to some of the changes they wanted to make, and then he quit the production. Okay. So post-production. Yeah, I there. think so. Once again, could be wrong. If someone would like to fact check us on this, please leave us a comment on Instagram or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anywhere, really. Truly. Email us about it. Also, while they were filming, so they had a budget of 9 to $13 million, Ooh. which is like a big number jump. That's a pretty sizable budget, too. I know. And for 1988, I'm like, I feel like that's a lot for a movie. Um, so they filmed mostly on location in Chicago mm-hmm. in the famous Brewster Apartments, which is the poster that landmark of the poster um and then they did some in-studio stuff which took place in culver city in california but when they were doing 
the outside scenes in Chicago, um, the wind chill was reaching a low of minus 46 which Celsius. Is an average day here. Yes, which is normal or minus 50 degrees Fahrenheit for mm-hmm. those who don't know Celsius. Um, and so they ended up renting out entire rooms, leaving their cars running on location for warming centers. Well, did you hear that the actor who played uh, Detective Norris at one point, he couldn't speak anymore because his vocal cords had frozen? No. Yeah. Jesus. I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. No, I've never been outside that long enough talking mm-hmm. to experience that. Yeah. So it was cold. Push it back a week. You know, I You've, mean. We've all, we've all. You've worked on productions. Yeah. And even on small productions, it's hard to yeah. change your location last minute. So. Yeah, you're right. I don't know that they could. Minus 46. Could you imagine having to film outside in like just like regular looking clothes? No. Absolutely not. No. I mean, I obviously like we weather through that for a couple months every year. Yeah. But that's kind of getting to and from your vehicle, spending like limited amounts of mm-hmm. time outside. I couldn't imagine doing full scenes. And then, but like, it's probably like days. Mm-hmm. Blech, no, thank you. So that's kind of all I have on like the actual production part. Visual. Good old Chucky boy. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it when you were watching it? Like, I know you've seen it like a couple of times. Did you enjoy the way that they did animatronics, but then also some of it looked CGI? It's not CGI. It's all animatronics. Some of it looked weird to me. I really liked it. So basically, they used um, radio-controlled animatronics operated mm-hmm. by nine different puppeteers. And one of the animatronic dolls' faces was controlled via remote control through a rig that was capturing facial movements of one of the puppeteers. So maybe that's where some of the weirdness Yeah, I in. think that, like, for me, some of the facial movements were weird. Right. But, like, the body itself and, like, the fingers, I was like, these are all great. Mm-hmm. It was the face where I was like, it's a little hit and miss sometimes for me. And I, I get it. The other thing is I get it's a doll. Right. And so it's not supposed to be human. It does change throughout the movie. Like, the hairline recedes and it becomes a little more human. But maybe we can forgive that given the fact that it's supposed to be sort of, like, half human, mm-hmm. half doll. How come we just haven't talked about the general appearance of Chucky? What is with that haircut? It is scary. Also, like, I don't think that the doll as it stands just on its own is cute enough for children to want. No. scary looking. Like, the thing is, the pajama thing, cute. Very cute. Like, that whole outfit. But, like, it is um, one massive doll. Mm -hmm. You're going to care. People are carrying it into school. And I was like, you all are going to bring these huge dolls with you to school? They need their own fucking desk at that point. Yeah. Pay some rent. And, like, that... (laughs) That head was bigger than, like, the child's body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's something weirdly off about the dynamic between these two, mm-hmm. between living and real. I did love that the doll comes with matching pajamas for the kid, though. Yes, that when, is super cute. When the detective was like, do you know where these markings are from? Where Chucky had run through. And he was like, Andy, what are you wearing? He's like, it's my good guy pajama sneakers. I yeah, like, I was like, wow. wow. I was like, I kind of want good guy pajama me sneakers. Me too. God, he's fucking cute. It also made me, like, realize how many people have gone as Chucky for Halloween. Like, I mean, it's one of those things, you know? Did you just see how hard I rolled my yes. eyes? Listen, I'm all for slutty Halloweens on Halloweens on costumes. <laughs> I'm all for slutty costumes on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Do whatever the hell you want. But being, like, a slutty Chucky, come on. It's just weird. It's just weird. Go as Bride of Chucky if you got to do yeah. something. But slutty it's Chucky? A child's toy. Who's then a serial killer? It is weird. 
And it's just like, I mean, I get it. It's such an easy costume. So easy. Orange wig, a scar on your face, in which in this one, he doesn't have the Mm -hmm. like typical scar and pajamas. I'm trying to think of like a slutty Chucky costume and I can't picture it, but I I just have a feeling in my chest and I know what that looks like. I know in your heart of hearts that you've probably seen it somewhere. Yes, and I probably just blacked it out. Just in a bar, been like, that looks stupid. Okay, moving on. Be a slutty mouse for all I care. So one thing that I thought was really, like, speaking to the labor of love thing, really cool was that for the more complex scenes with, like, a greater range of motion or Mm -hmm. running, they used Ed Gale, who was a stuntman with dwarfism, and they built replicas of the sets that were 30 times larger so that he would appear the same size as Chucky because he himself was 10 inches taller than the the doll. And that Alex Vincent, who was the, uh, who's Andy, Mm -hmm. they had his little sister do some of the stuff that required you know, mm-hmm. Chucky movement. I did see that. That's and cute. I was like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Him as a child actor would be so much more comfortable to have your sibling on set with you doing stuff. Unless, you know, he's like super professional. Well, I did watch a behind the scenes feature that was talking about how they were nervous about having to have a child actor do this because they were like, well, what if we have a kid who's super scared to act with this doll and then becomes standoffish mm-hmm. and is not as in it as another kid might be. So they spent a lot of time just familiarizing him with the doll and with the actors, and he was totally fine. Because I was going to say, he's really good at acting like too literally just a doll. Yeah. And I was like, this kid's going to go far, and did he? No. Absolutely not. He played just this character in a couple of different movies over the years, I think. Like just Andy? Or yeah. like a child who was like dealing with... No, I think he just played like different versions of Andy over the years. And he was in a couple of the remakes or maybe he did like guest Mm -hmm. um, appearances throughout them. Yeah, but I don't know if he ever actually played Andy again. But no, he's not really. Not acting anymore. No, because Child's Play 3, I think. um, They cast a much older actor because he was supposed to be like off into a boarding school or like Hmm. something like that. I'm honestly going to watch most of them should i watch the remake the reboot with aubrey plaza yeah i know we talked about it i didn't love it but i mean yeah why not does it still teeter kind of similar is it more horror do you think or is it more i don't have a great recollection of it i watched it a while ago um i think it's a fairly similar vibe but a little darker okay like this it doesn't have the same innocence as like a 1980s horror movie which i feel like feels inherently well and because also like Chucky's going to be fully CGI. I also have another note about Alex Vincent, that his grandfather bought out a theater after the premiere so that he could watch it with all his friends. That is so cute. Right? That's also so much money. (laughs) Oh my God. I wish. It's so cute. Imagine you, to your friends, you're like, I'm in this movie with a doll. It's kind of scary. And you bring all of your like child friends to it and you traumatize them for the rest of their lives. Everyone's scarred. Yeah. You're like, hey, I'm in this movie. My grandma, grandpa bought out the theater. I mean, if he bought out the theater, I would assume that it is the movie as it is. But I know that for other child actors that the production has made versions of it that are not the scary version so Mm -hmm. that they can't like the Babadook. Yeah. They made a version of it so he could watch it that wasn't scary. Yeah, they probably didn't do that for this. Also, like, how do you do that? How do you do that in, like, a linear way that makes sense if you take out 95% of yeah. the plot of the film? It's just him, like, him and his mother. He gets a doll. <laughs> Everything's fine in the end. Yeah. That's the movie. Do we want to talk about some controversy with this movie? We love controversy. So the Chucky films have always been accused of inspiring violence in children. 
Okay, newscaster, go off. Um, a lot of people, like always, this is why I thought of Call of Duty when I was telling you, because of the video games inciting violence in children and yada, yada, yada. Um, but there was one case that was linked to the series. There was a gang in Manchester who kidnapped and murdered a 16-year-old girl, and they forced her to listen to recordings of the gang leader repeatedly saying the catchphrase, I'm Chucky, want to play. Not quite right. <laughs> well, this is what I got from Wikipedia. Um, so that was the case of um, Suzanne Caper. Don't know who that is. That's the victim in this case. Oh. She was 16. Mm-hmm. The woman who ultimately killed her was a woman that she'd babysat for. So it was kind of a gang. It was two men and two women. But it wasn't the gang leader that she was listening to. Basically, so she babysat for this woman, and then one day the woman lures her into the house, and it's her and her boyfriend, and then her friend and the friend's boyfriend are there. Okay. And they torture her for five days. Jesus Christ. And they subjected her to audio torture in the form of rave music played at maximum volume through headphones, particularly the song Hi, I'm Chucky, Wanna Play by 150 Volts. That song features samples from the movie, and then the woman who kidnapped her, her friend, the female, would regularly come to torture her, and she would begin every session with the words, Chucky's coming to play. And then after the days of torture, they finally let her die of her injuries. And when the case came into the public eye, there was this big moral panic, as there tends to be around these things, and people found out that the murder was committed by this gang that's led Mm -hmm. by two women, and the crimes were... um, apparently influenced by the movie but the police said that throughout the interviews the accused with the accused there was no suggestion that the reason what that they killed her had anything to do with the movie it's like one of those things where it's like people just decide to take it too far like it has nothing to do with the influence of the movie that would be the same thing as me deciding that i want to murder someone and then the whole time i'm playing you know, Joni Mitchell. And then they're like, well, Joni Mitchell is obviously the reason you did mm-hmm. this. It's like, no, I just like Joni Mitchell. I also wanted to fucking kill someone. Yeah. So um, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that just in case that Knock on wood. manifests. I would never. There was also another case. I don't know if you know this. No. So that one was um, December 7th, 1992 is when they kidnapped her. She died five days later. And then on February 12th in 1993... Very famous case of these two 10-year-old boys who are in a mall. They lure a three-year-old away from his mom. And then they bring him to a train track, I think. And they torture him and kill him. And it's just this crazy story because it's two 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And there's no real motive for it. But in the trial, during the judgment, it was said that exposure to violent films may have been a reason that they did what they did. And it was suggested that the family having rented Child's Play a month earlier was the motivator. But that's... That's all hearsay. You know, that's the defense clinging to anything. Mm -hmm. But Tom Holland, the director, in response to both of the murders, defended the film, stating that the viewers of the horror films could only be influenced by their content if they were, quote, unbalanced to begin with. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah, that is a great way to put it. Yes. The other thing is, these aren't movies that are made for children. Mm, No! And so when you say, like, oh, well, this violent movie that a child watched is what's causing this, it's like, well, it's not made for them, and they shouldn't be watching in the first place. And I know that that's hard to control, because I watched scary movies when I was a kid. So did I. But here we are. Fine, functioning, law-abiding citizens. Sorry, there's ice in my mouth. Who just talk about it now. Right. Over the internet. Right. So we are fine. (laughs) 
if you are an adjusted okay person fine Mm -hmm. if you are not then all right but I think that there is more to be said for people being influenced by something like Columbine, like a real world mm-hmm. event where they see how it actually plays out in life, in society, that these people gain some sort of notoriety mm-hmm. and some sort of fame, that there's this cult following almost for serial killers and people who perform horrible acts against humanity, which is awful. I've noticed that big trend on t- on TikTok and stuff where it's people really like glamorizing their attraction to serial killers well that's like the whole like ted bundy thing yeah but he is an awful human Mm -hmm. like you can't justify i don't know glorifying this and all that like especially real world incidents and people that's a lot yeah i saw a video that was somebody had stitched together a couple of posts on like twitter and instagram from mia farrow the actress who Mm -hmm. was married to um woody allen Yes. Oh my gosh. Why did that take us so long? <laughs> I don't know. Mia Farrow, who is married to Winnie Allen, she was also Rosemary in mm-hmm. Rosemary's Baby. Um, she was really good friends with Sharon Tate, who was killed by the Manson family. And she's had a couple of posts just about how like, oh, when Charles Manson died, like she posted a picture of her and Sharon and was like, good riddance, Charles Manson. And she has openly spoken about basically why is his name the one that is always repeated and why is her death sort of glazed over it was a pregnant woman three Mm -hmm. weeks away from giving birth ruthlessly slaughtered and people are like well he's an interesting guy though yeah is he no (laughs) just because he had a cult following that's the problem and still does essentially give it up said it before i'll say it again fucking give it up no one cares anymore another thing that i saw don't know if it's correct is there's a crowd of protesters that formed around the entrance to MGM calling for a ban on the film mm-hmm. due to the same scenario where it was inciting violence to children and that it's influencing them to be violent people. Which is interesting because it was sort of originally intended to be a satire about advertising towards children and how that can negatively influence them and just American consumerism as it is. It's also interesting... Um, it's interesting that people are like protesting for a violent film. I mean, it's not that the protest ended up being violent in any means, but like you're also being that person. No, you're not. Oh, I, I, you I know, I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing though is that someone who worked at MGM was able to defuse the situation in ten minutes. Oh, how'd they do that? They went and talked to the ringleader, and the group disbanded. <laughs> hey guys. No. And they're like, okay. Knock it off. Go home. All right. So. I have better ways to spend my Saturday anyway. But eventually, Child's Play was disowned by MGM and United Artists. Mm-hmm. And then Universal bought the rights for the sequels. Interesting. So it did have some play in like production company wise where they were like, maybe we're not going to have this anymore because it's doing all these bad things. Which is interesting because most production companies fought really hard to get the rights to this in the first place, Mm -hmm. to be the ones who made it. Yeah. So Universal ended up being the ones to carry it through. Mm. It's kind of all I have to say about this movie. Me too. I like it. I think it's a good, fun watch. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 recommend to a friend. Yeah. I I did like it. Scary. Two. Yeah. I agree. There was like some good jump scares, Mm -hmm. but... You know what else? Sorry, just like makeup wise. Yep. When they have the burnt Chucky, 
and it's like all melted it's and that. It's fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like that and it was like kind of scary looking. And I was like, that is good. I agree. So my two points go to that for scary. Kudos. Unsettling. No. I just like I don't think I could score it. I think that there are people who probably watched this at the time who were yes. so scared by that doll that they would rank it mm-hmm. high, but for us, yeah, no. Yeah. It's like a one. Mm-hmm. Story. The only thing that I don't like about this story, and I agree with the the original writer's take on this, that the mysticism just feels weirdly shoehorned in. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't entirely make sense in the context of who that serial killer is. Like, we're yeah. never given a backstory to explain why mm-hmm. he has all these connections as a white man to voodoo. Yeah. Other than that, good story. I would say I'm going to give it an eight. I like it. I'm going to say a six. Okay. Is where I'm going to sit with it. Interesting. Well, was it a paper cut or was it a bloody massacre? <laughs> One latex doll with blood underneath for me. Could you imagine? That's so scary. Why would they do that? Like, could you imagine having a latex doll and it's filled with blood? Imagine giving your kid a doll knowing that if they're careless with it, it's going to bleed. Everywhere. Like, ad- kids are careless with everything. Yeah. I had dolls that I loved. I was still banging their fucking heads against everything. Yeah. Like, also, like, the way that he, Andy was carrying around that child, like, by its neck. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, could you imagine even just, like, a small neck and it's bleeding? Because I did see that you could go by, like, the story would be that you could go by band-aids for the doll. Right. And all of that. But, like, it's not going to heal. No. Once it's ruined, it's ruined. And then you've just got, what, weird, dry, crusty blood? Absolutely not. I hate it. Me too. But it's no different than, like, the marketed towards young girl dolls where they like pried and shitted and farted and eaten. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> I had dolls that did all of the things that like wet their do- well, I don't know if I did necessarily. If I did, they were like real old school. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, that's that's weird. Right? Like no. No. And it's just so strange that you're literally just trying to like make tiny patriarchal tiny patriarchal servants real quick. On the yes. note of servants, to circle back to last week. Oh, yeah. You told me that you really enjoyed the show Servant on um, Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I'm halfway through the second season. Do you like it? It's so good. It is one of my favorite shows that I have watched in a long time. I really need to catch up on season two. It three. is such an original, good mm-hmm. idea. It's so well executed. I am halfway through the second season. And I still don't know what's going on. I still couldn't tell you what happened in the first season. And it's not because I'm not watching or I'm not like, it's, I'm putting my phone down. I am dedicated. I am in it, but they do not give everything away by any no. means. And Rupert Grint is incredible yes, in this so show. Good. Couldn't recommend more. I've been telling everybody I know to watch it. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Also like the meals that the dad cooks. Wow. And that the episodes are titled after like a meal. What an addition. Cause I love food and I love watching like if I am winding down for the evening and I hit my little CBD, what I'm going to do is go to my room and I'm going to scroll through just food videos. Interesting. Yeah. See, I never do that. Oh, I always do that. I, at least once a day I'm doing that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really should catch up because I think I would also enjoy it a lot. It's really good. How much did you watch? I think the first three or four episodes and then I kind of fell behind on season two. They're in season three now, so mm-hmm. get to it. Yeah, I need to catch up. But I just canceled Apple TV because I wasn't oh, using shit. it. I'll just download it. Yeah. I didn't give it a paper cut or a blade. <laughs> you didn't. So can you tell us? Middle um, I feel like it's probably the same. I'm like in the middle ground. I don't know what that is for us. We've never decided. No. 
it is leading more towards a paper cut, but it's still like a lot. Good. It's a heavy paper cut. Cool. Cardboard cut. Can we, can we, should we sign off before we start watching more TikToks? Yeah. We're going to go watch some more TikToks. Um, we miss you all. I mean, we don't miss you. We're actively here, but <laughs> either way, you can find us at Podcastaker on TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram. You can lead us, lead us, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify. Yes, you can. It's just like in the top, you can click, there's a little star button and you can rate it. So go give it us a five star. Give it us a five star. <laughs> We'd really appreciate it. Yes, how's gooey. And <laughs> how's goosey. We will see you when we see you. Oh, until next time. He wants you for a new best friend. Ooh.